Right, I'm ready. Hello, today I have the lovely Peter with me. Hi, Peter, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello, uh, my name's Peter. I am um, a self-published cosy mystery author. You may have seen me um, being interviewed by Donna before. I write the Edward Crisps um, murder mystery series. My first book uh, was Who Killed Miss Finch? About a horrible head teacher that gets killed. And then I've had a couple more books in the series as well. Uh, I think this is your third time back with me, isn't it? Uh, I believe so, yeah. I think I was interviewed probably about a year ago as I was releasing Snow Day Murders. And then I think in kind of June time, when Death in the Closet came. Uh, I think it's the first time that I've had an interview with you where I've not got a new book out. <laughs> this is my uh, reminding everyone that I exist interview. <laughs> <laughs> As if anyone could forget. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to tell everyone about all the books that you have actually released so far? Yeah, so um, I just mentioned briefly, um, I write the Edward Crisp um, mystery series. Edward is... Um, at, at first, a somewhat reluctant amateur detective who, um, a, a lot, he's a, a school librarian who um, has a bit of a fascination with old Agatha Christie style murder mysteries, along with his teenage assistant librarian, Noah, who um, has um, Asperger's um, autism and is um, also kind of quite obsessed with murder mysteries, so much so that he's convinced that they are going to end up in a real life murder mystery and they will be the detective to solve it. Um, they both, um, they're, they're both in a school, Noah being a student and Edward being the school librarian that's just been taken over by an academy with a horrible um, head teacher. And lo and behold, the horrible head teacher gets murdered and Noah gets his wish of being his own real life murder mystery. And the two are kind of dragged in to investigating the murder. And it goes from there. So that, that first one is Who Killed Miss Finch? It's been out for about 18 months now. Uh, I've been really pleased with it. It's done really well. Um, so much so that I was able to go um, part-time um, in my uh, teaching career um, at the start of this year. Um, it's written um, both for adults and young adults. Um, I'm quite inspired by Agatha Christie. And one thing I've noticed whenever anyone talks about Agatha Christie, like you see any kind of famous authors, uh, lots of people always say that they got into her when they were a teenager. And I kind of quite like the idea of writing something for all ages and especially being an English teacher and being keen on kind of promoting literacy and things like that. So I deliberately write my books in kind of a simple style that um, young people will like. And also... Uh, maybe for adults who maybe don't read as much as they should. So really, I do kind of write with promoting reading in mind. And also there's the school setting, education setting as well. And uh, the, the teenage co-main character, which also appeals to young people. The second book, which came out in January last year, is probably because of the time of year, the one I'm going to plug the most today. And that is The Snow Day Murders. So that was my second book. Um, again, I was inspired by kind of lots of classic mysteries where um, people are snowed in, like Murder on the Orient Express or Agatha Christie's Sitterford Mystery where everyone's snowed in. And again, I wanted to um, have 
a school theme. So we, we all um, we all know kind of snow days when schools are closed and everyone is kind of snowed in. So I created this idea where the little village that um, Edward and Noah live in was snowed in completely on this snow day when everything was closed, including the school. And they find they find a dead body. And it must be that the, no one can get in or out of the village. So one, the murderer must still be in the village somewhere. And two, the police can't get through. So in a little bit of a kind of homage to recent technology that we've all used during COVID, Edward has to um, communicate with the police and kind of help the police via kind of Zoom type technology while they're online trying to get through. So um it's the second in the series. Most people um, read the series in order, starting with Miss Finch. If you did particularly fancy a winter mystery, this could be read um, on its own. There aren't that there are minor spoilers from Miss Finch in it. Uh, you might prefer to read them in order, but if you did just want a murder mystery, you could. I know a few people have started with this one. Then. Um, in between that, in spring last year, I released a little mini novella, The Mystery of Jackson King, which is about um, a third to a quarter length of one of my novels. It was a short mystery, an idea I had that I didn't that I was really keen on, but I thought didn't quite fit a full novel, in that rather than being a kind of murder mystery with kind of a ready-made group of suspects, um, a lady comes to Edward um, having heard about his kind of notoriety in solving local murders to say that her husband uh, was found dead recently at the bottom of a cliff. Um, it's been ruled as suicide, but she is convinced that it's murder. And again, there's the teaching link that the guy who, um, the, 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 the guy who's died is um, a supply teacher, so the kind of teacher that goes around different schools teaching, and Edward kind of knows him a little as well, and that inspires him to get involved in the mystery. And then more recently, in summer this year, it's probably my uh, personal favourite of all my books and the one that I think is kind of the best one because I think my kind of writing has developed as I've been kind of writing a few different books and two, because it's a subject that's kind of closest to my heart. This is Death in the Closet. And it's about a topic that's always interested me. Um, the fact that there are no openly gay um top flight footballers, Premier League footballers in our country. Until recently, there weren't any um, current top players in the world, but an Australian guy came out um, a couple of months ago. But this is about a guy who's about to come out as um, gay, a premiership footballer, and he is found murdered as he is about to do that. So then, again, Edward and Noah get, get kind of dragged into the investigation, and it's why this guy has been killed. So they're my books that are out currently. I'm, um, I'm currently working on my uh, next one, which is my most ambitious Edward novel so far. It's going to be out in spring. And this is, uh, I believe, I think, an exclusive for Hudonna. This is going to be um, a serial killer um, Edward mystery called Ten Green Bottles. Um, again, it's, it's very inspired by Agatha Christie, again, novels like And Then There Were None and The ABC Murders were um, basically, if you've read the first couple of books, you'll know that um, Edward, among other things, um, was um, an aspiring author who 
um, wrote a book when he was younger and got kind of, he, he suffers from kind of anxiety and he was anxious about it and never ended up publishing it. And this book is just sitting there. And it was, um, because he's an Agatha Christie fan, it was called Ten Green Bottles and it's a kind of homage to Agatha Christie, but his own version. Um, what the premise of this book is, um, for a number of reasons, he finally gets his book published, Ten Green Bottles, and he's at the launch night for the book. And he gets sent um, a note, which is actually... Um, in real life, but it's um, mimicking the plot of his own book, which is a list of 10 people that Edward knows that are apparently going to be murdered, but he doesn't know who in what order. So he's given the list of 10 names of people he knows, and he doesn't know when they're going to be murdered, or if this is even serious, or if it's a hoax. And that's the premise of the next book, which is out in spring. Like I said, it's my most ambitious one, I would say, so far, because I haven't done a serial killer type one yet. Um, and that is, it's kind of, I think a serial killer type novel is really kind of pushing the boundaries of kind of cosy type mysteries that I write. So, um, but I'm, I'm really, I've been enjoying writing it. And uh, again, it's my most ambitious one so far and hopefully people will enjoy it. Definitely. And uh, actually, a shame to say out of all of your books, I haven't read uh, The Snow Day Murders. <laughs> oh yeah, you mentioned that the day I didn't realise that. Because I, I remember when you read Death in the Closet uh, and I know you read Miss Finch when we first met. I didn't realise that you'd not... Read it. Sorry, I can't mention a book without kind of holding it up as a blatant plug. Sorry, but um, yeah, I didn't know until the other day when you read Death in the Closet. I mean, you could definitely go back and read it. There's nothing in Death in the Closet that spoils it, apart from the kind of main few, like Edward and his family and a couple of close friends. The set of characters in it are completely different from Death in the Closet. So, um, yeah, and look, the kind of winter and Christmas type mysteries. Well, books of all genres are really popular this time of year. So I'm actually going to be doing um, next week, I think it's going to be going on a 99p offer, one of the five-day Amazon offers, probably just the week before Christmas, about this time next week. So anyone that does is watching this and wants to read it, maybe hang on and get yourself a bargain next week. When you um, When you put that up, then I'll share it in my group as well, just to remind everyone. Oh, brilliant. Oh, that's great. Yeah, thank you. I can't even remember if I've got it, but I will definitely read it in between my blog tour gap. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember either. Like I said, no, you'd not read it. I thought we talked about it, but I must have got, must have, must have got mixed in. up. I know. What sort of fan am I, huh? Rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you. Although the Definite Closet is one of my favourites, so... You know. Yeah, because you were on the uh, you were on the uh, the art team and privileging team for that, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, I loved it and still love it. Thought it was amazing. Oh, bless you, thank you. Um, if you were to take any of your characters out of any of your books out for a meal, who would you choose, and what would you ask them? Oh, it would definitely, definitely, without a doubt. Actually, this I've just thought of another one. I was going to say definitely Noah. So Noah, I mentioned briefly, he, for anyone who doesn't know, he's Edward Crisp's teenage librarian sidekick who um, does have Asperger's. I say Asperger's, we don't, we, we don't usually use that term now. We usually just say it's another form of autism, but um, it's Asperger's in that he, he can communicate quite well in terms he's very confident, but he just says what he thinks. He kind of has these kind of obsessive tendencies in terms that he gets kind of infatuated with murder mysteries and his kind of blunt way of dealing with things 
and thinking that he's actually in a real-life murder mystery is a source of a lot of the comedy of my books. And I know he's popular with a lot of readers. So he would definitely be my choice. And um, you could ask him any numbers of question, number of questions and probably say goodbye to your whole night. <laughs> they talk to you for hours. But I, um, I, I personally, I would ask him out for a meal and I would probably ask him about which he thinks are the best Agatha Christie books. And then that would probably be our night set, having a debate about that. Yep, and probably and then, for a couple of days after that, I would think. <laughs> and then my second choice that I thought of after I said Noah, another kind of popular character who's kind of used for comical purposes is um, Edward's mum, Linda Crisp. So Edward's mum runs the the um, local pub um, in the little village that the books are set, Chalk Gap, and um, she's kind of very gossipy. She says things how they are. She's very overly protective of. Um, Edward and again she provides a lot of the comedy of um, the books so I would take her for um, a meal and I would ask her what is the latest gossip in Chalk Gap and again that would probably see us through for the whole evening. <laughs> yeah. um, out of the books you've written so far what's been the most fun scene to write and what's been the most difficult? Um, oh that's a good question uh, they, my answer, the most fun scenes to write is, um, I always love writing the murder reveals and I've done them kind of quite differently each time. So um, the first one was um, just a one-to-one between Edward confronting the murderer. The, the second one, Snow Day Murders, was the Poirot slash Death in Paradise style, gathering all the suspects and eliminating everyone one by one and doing the reveal. And then the third, the Death in the Closet was probably, was kind of somewhere in between those two. Um, and as well as being the most fun, they probably are the most difficult as well because you have to um, kind of go back and retrospectively check to, um, that you've included all the, all the clues. Because one thing I hate when I've re- I, sometimes I've noticed myself is when there's a clue that you notice or a clue that's there that isn't referred back to. So I kind of write a list of all my clues as I go along. And it's all when I'm writing the um the payoff like the murder reveal scene i have to kind of tick off that i've included everything and then you always think of clues as well that are kind of really good that you're not including you have to go back and plant them in and i think that probably is the most difficult kind of element of writing murder mysteries kind of making sure all the kind of clues and everything tie up and as a as a kind of bonus answer to that question linking back to edward's mum a little running joke i have um, and these are kind of really fun scenes to write, is that she slaps somebody different in every novel. So in the three novels so far, she, um, Linda Edwards' mum has slapped someone different. So I kind of feel like I've set myself up now. I've always kind of think of an excuse for her to slap someone, but they're always kind of great fun to write. They're, and especially because she's a pub landlady, it's always a bit of a like Peggy Mitchell, get out of my pub kind of moment. Oh, I never noticed that. I'm going to have to look out for that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of my most fun new questions to ask is if you were to be a fictional killer, how would you kill your victims? Oh, that's great for because obviously you interview across all genres, but that's great for murder mystery writer. I love that. Um, how would I kill my victims in a way that I wouldn't get caught? I assume you mean. Well, I mean, however you like. If you just want to go absolutely psycho and stab someone, you can do that too. 
Well, no. Well, as obviously, as a cosy mystery writer, and both in my own region as well, I avoid kind of gore and blood and guts, and I wouldn't want to be there on the scene. If I was kind of having to be a murderer, then I would probably do it the kind of cowardly, like non-graphic, non-blood way, in that I would poison someone and make sure that I wasn't there on the scene when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how every author knows the answer without really having to think about it. <laughs> Very few are like, mm, oh, I don't know. <laughs> There's also the joke, isn't there, that if you ever check like an author's search history, and then I saw I saw a comment last week on one of the groups that said the authors that you need to be afraid of are the ones that don't have to research it, <laughs> 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 which yeah. really made me laugh. What would be the most incriminating thing on your search history? Um, I don't know because. Because of the type of murder mysteries I write, I don't always have to um, kind of research a lot in terms of the actual kind of methods of crime. Most of the things I research are kind of like police stuff. Again, my books aren't overly procedural, but because um, there's police officers in it and everyone kind of, kind of ish works alongside the police, I kind of sometimes have to like check police stuff Maybe I've looked up kind of a couple of ways about kind of how people are poisoned or checked a specific poison. But again, I have um, a great Agatha Christie A to Z of poisons book, so I kind of borrow from those as well. But most of my search history relating to my writing would probably be mostly kind of looking up police procedural type stuff. Um, taking away Agatha Christie, if you were to be fictionally murdered, who would you want to investigate it? So I'm not allowed to say Poirot or Miss Marple? Nope. <laughs> Too obvious. Um, again, I, I bet lots of authors say this because um, this series is very popular, but definitely uh, Poe and Tilly from M.W. Craven's series. Actually, uh, you're the, the first the... person that said that. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I, 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 I love those books. I only kind of discovered them after I'd written my first couple, but there are quite a few similarities, I think, between kind of Tilly and Noah in terms of their kind of bluntness and kind of potentially, even I know Tilly isn't officially diagnosed with anything, but in terms of kind of potentially being on the spectrum and the way their outlook and their kind of innocence. So I will definitely go with those two. Yeah, I they are just great, aren't they? They really are. And Tilly is just wonderful. I love reading. Yeah, same. Yeah. Did you read the little um, Christmas short story that Mike posted in the UK Crime Book Club, I think? I've not read that one yet. I, I read the last one, Set in Waterstones, the one that was in the hardback exclusive. And uh, and I've read the little series of short stories that cut short. I think this new Christmas one is the only one I haven't read, so I need to read that. Thank you for the reminder. It's, yeah, it's short, but it's very funny. It's very good. Yeah, there was actually. a link to it, wasn't it? I saw it the other day. Yeah, yeah I'm, it's kind of in my kind of mental checklist of things to do. Yeah, I know. There's always so much to keep up with. Considering he releases one book a year. I know. <laughs> Apparently, we have to be patient. <laughs> I get told off. <laughs> um, when you're editing, what's your most overused word or phrase? Oh, um, there's loads, I think. Um, I don't know, really. There's, there's, I always know there's loads when I check, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. 
I use um, a account before it goes to my editor. I use like an editing program and it tells you all the words that you have used too much. And I always look at my like, oh God, I've done that again. And you, even when you make a conscious effort to say, right, I'm not going to overuse this word. And I think you just do it subconsciously. And when you read back, you're like, oh shit, I've used that word like 20 times. <laughs> yeah. Um, now you've been writing a while, um, is there something that you enjoy more now than you did when you started? And is there something you dislike more now than oh, you that's started? Oh, that's a good question as well. I really, I really like these new questions. They're really interesting. Um, I don't know. I think I've got, I've got more used to um, editing. I didn't, wasn't massively keen on editing at first. But I've got more used to it, and I quite like what I do. I've mentioned this in interviews before, but I type, um, I write on Microsoft Word on my computer, but also I have the Microsoft Word app synced to my phone. So I can type on my phone as well, and then it syncs up where you're up to between the devices. And what I've got in the habit of doing is doing my own kind of proofreading slash mini editing that evening of what I've wrote that day. And because I do that from my phone kind of lying in bed, and I feel like I've cracked kind of the best way to do that now i it kind of makes that task of kind of editing or kind of checking what you've written that day a bit more palatable because i've kind of got a good method of doing it like on my phone in bed and what was the other part of the question um what do you dislike more now than when you started um i can't think of anything really uh not dislike because I love it, but since I went part-time at work, um, I have to treat writing as more of a job. Like it was kind of, I was working full-time and it had always been my dream. So it was, it felt like a hobby, but now in a good way, because I'm glad I'm, I'm able to kind of do it while working part-time as well. But now when I, someday, I mean, when you're having your bad days, when you can't be asked, you kind of make yourself sit down and write because obviously I took a pay drop to, um, go do part time. I was at teaching and kind of carrying on writing and kind of bringing money in is kind of a bit more of a necessity than I thought it would have been when I was first doing it as a hobby. So I think the actual process of writing itself, I still love it, but it it sometimes feels a bit more like a job than it used to. Uh, do you still get much time to read? Um, yeah, I do. I kind of, I go through kind of phases really where. Um, I'll go through a phase where I'll read loads and loads and then I'll go through a couple of months phase, um, which I'm in at the minute, where I um, don't read much, but I'm kind of listening to music lots. So um, you might have seen me say I got um, a record player for my mum and dad for my birthday and I've started collecting vinyl. And I've really got back into, on the back of this, kind of listening to all old 80s music and 80s albums and stuff I've been collecting. There. So in, in terms of choosing what you do with your spare time, I've kind of been doing that a bit more than I've been reading in the last couple of months. And then a recent example from the last week, in the last week, um, it's obviously getting near Christmas and I've got obsessed with watching that Christmas movies and rom-coms on Netflix. So I've been doing that most of this week as an example. I feel, I don't know whether people like this, but I feel like my kind of interests kind of get quite tunnel vision for a while where I'll spend a couple of months reading for ages, then I'll spend a couple of months where I'm really into listening to music, then another couple of months where I'm into kind of watching movies. But I always... I've still got hundreds on my to, uh, my to be read list, and um, I'll, I'm sure I'll be reading some over Christmas. You find as a writer that you read differently. Um, 
I don't know, because I've always read quite critically anyway, because I'm an English teacher and my degree's in English literature. So I've always kind of read quite critically anyway. But my favourite books are the ones that make you forget to read critically and forget that, that you just get so kind of drawn into them and you want to know what happens that you forget. And, and one thing I do like doing, especially as a murder mystery writer, is reading murder mysteries for a second time or when I know who the killer is. So you could, once you know who the killer is, you can look as a fellow writer, how they plot things, how they kind of hide things in plain sight and so on. So if, I, if I'm if i reading for pleasure, I'm, I'm probably kind of reading as a reader. But if I want to read deliberately as a kind of a critical writer, I would probably be going back to read something I've already read to look at, oh, this was great. How did they do it? Um, if you, what's the best thing you've invested in as an author? Um, uh, oh, that's a tricky one. I think you. I think you're probably the kind of traditional meaning of this question is that you mean investing money. But the answer I'm going to give is kind of investing my time in groups like this and a couple of similar ones on Facebook and for me the kind of interaction with other readers and fellow authors and all the people I've met through groups like yours is really the kind of best investment I've made if because otherwise because writing is can be such a solitary profession and I was so surprised when I got into it that there's all these um, groups and readers on Instagram and so on and people that you can kind of interact with and I think without that it just wouldn't be the same and I wouldn't love it as much and it's been one of my favorite things of being an author so I know you probably make invested in money but in terms of kind of investing time wise I think that's definitely the best investment I've made that's why I didn't specify because I know generally it's probably more time than money that matters <laughs> oh I bet every I bet every single person's giving that answer aren't they? <laughs> no actually you're the first person I've asked oh so really okay. yeah I'm just trying yeah. out some New questions on you to keep you on your toes. To keep Am you I a guinea pig for your new questions? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some of them. Some of them I've asked before. Okay. O- obviously, you're not watching my interviews. I'm most offended. It's fine. <laughs> I do what I, wa- I watch from them when it's an author that I know I kind of like the stuff. Again, it, it comes down to time, doesn't it? I know. I don't even watch them. <laughs> oh, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> never. Never watched one. And that's fine. Really? Yep. I suppose you've lived through them, haven't you? But... Yeah, I couldn't. Oh, no. Yeah. It was when I've been interviewed by you or other groups. I watch it for a minute, but then I usually cringe too much and think, oh, God, is that what I look like? I sound like then click off it. Yeah, I know. Just hell no. There's no need for me to watch it, so I won't. I didn't even watch my um, Montague Island that I'd done with Jay Singleton back. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, that was good fun, though. Oh. Yeah. But I lived it. It's fine. I know what happened. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> um, so some not quite so evasive personal questions. Um, if a genie was to give you three wishes, what would you choose? Oh, great one. Um, to I don't, I never like kind of wishing for money stuff. So I'm not going to wish I was rich or anything, but I'm going to wish that I had the kind of money and means to be able to be a full-time writer, which is something I'm slowly working towards. And I've said I'm delighted that I got to um, do it part-time and just work part-time so soon. And it's with the kind of support of my um, lovely partner that I'm able to do that. 
But obviously one wish would be that I could just, money wasn't an object and then I could write full time straight away and I'd be able to kind of invest more time in it and get it off the ground quicker. So that would be one wish, but you want three. Um, another one, and it's quite seasonal, I guess. I, w- I wish that my, my favourite part of Christmas um, food is pigs and blankets and I wish pigs and blankets was a thing all year round. I like that. Yeah, oh, oh, I love them. I always get, I, I always make sure we get extra ones because I need to have about twenty on my Christmas plate. Nice. One more. And three. Um. I love, um, I love ABBA, and they recently reunited, and I'm going watching the hologram tour thing they're doing in London next year. But I wish that I got to see them actually live in person. Cool. I like that. Um, what's the funniest place you've ever woken up? Oh God. Um <laughs> I'm quite boring for things like that. I don't really have any kind of stories like kind of the hangover movie or anything. Um uh, I always used to when I um lived in Wigan and commuted in Manchester, I always used to fall asleep on the train. And I got it timed to an art that I knew um, exactly how long the train would take when it would get in my stock. So I would always set my alarm for like a minute before the train got into my stock and sleep the whole way. It never it never went wrong and I never missed my stop. Nice. <laughs> I would totally be the person being woke up at the end of the line. But I'm asleep, that's it. <laughs> um, and who would you least like to be stuck in a lift with? Oh, that's not a very nice question. Um, I avoid, in in all my kind of Facebook posts and stuff, I always avoid kind of talking anything political. But obviously with all the stuff in the news made me so angry this week, that kind of this week especially, I'm going to say Boris Johnson or any of the kind of those kind of top Tories. I've been so mad about that whole, everything that's going on with them. And they're just kind of constantly taking us for mugs, I think. That's all I'll briefly say, because I don't want to offend anyone, and I'm not very political massively in my views. But it's really kind of made a lot of us irate this week, as long, along with lots of other things they've done. So this for this week especially, I would say our good old Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. Yeah, I think he would be a popular choice. And I think even the least political people this week would be fuming. So, yeah, I could understand that. Um, so apart from your book that you're bringing out, hopefully in the spring, are you working on anything else? And do you know what you're going to do next? No, it's, it's a tricky one because I've def- my um, 10 green bottles is a definite plan. And then for my book in the second half of the year, I've got a couple of ideas. I'm not sure. It's no secret to say that it won't be an Edward Crisp. I've said, I think I've said in a previous interview that after this 10 green bottles, it's kind of, it's my kind of biggest, most ambitious Edward book, as I've mentioned. And I'm going to, Edward won't be going away for good, but you'll be having a little break after that because the events of that book kind of leave things at a natural pause. And it's a kind of quite a big book plot wise. Um, I've got um, a couple of different ideas uh, because Cozy Mysteries kind of they touch on um, a couple of other genres that I'd like to try. So they obviously I mentioned briefly before when I was talking about research that they touch on a little bit kind of police procedural type stuff. And I'd love to have a go 
um, re- reading um, kind of great authors like M.W. Craven that I mentioned and others, I, I wouldn't mind having a go at police procedural. And I've got an idea for a kind of cosy-ish police procedural series that I'm thinking of working on. But the, the other thing that I really want to do, which is, a, I'm not sure because it, it's it's a bit more of a big step than uh, writing police procedural because that's still in crime. But I really want to, at some point in my career, um, write a rom-com because as I mentioned before briefly I love them and if I if I didn't start writing cosy murder mysteries I would be writing rom-coms and again a bit like police procedural there are elements of rom-com in a cosy mystery like I have had kind of romance elements in it with um, Edward's poor Edward's love life and um, that is the kind of genre that I like um, watching movies and reading books of and there's not really enough male rom-com writers anyway so that is certainly if not kind of this year certainly in the pipeline as a genre that i would like to try but i know it's many authors just writing one genre or they use a pen name which i don't think i would use a pen name but i do recognize that it's a bit more of a departure from writing a crime book but that is certainly something that i definitely would like to do and definitely i'm sure you'll see from me in the next couple of years Fabulous. And are you planning on doing any um, literary events next year or attending any? Um, I don't know, because I, I spoke to you, I, I was too late to register for that Tales on Trent one that you're involved in. I know I missed that. Um, I wouldn't mind um, um, as a reader going up to um, Harrogate, because I know you and lots of others said it was great last year, but I, I might well do that. Yeah, that's all um, I want to know. I just want to meet you. And <laughs> um, my, my other thing I want to do, but it's clashed with it's clashed with work every time so far, is the annual Agatha Christie Festival in Torquay. So I definitely want to go and do that as well. But so far I've not been able to because the main events of it have been on days that I've been teaching. But that's certainly something. Again, being able to work, teach, write full time, and not have to kind of teach as well, that would be open up your availability to be able to go and do more things like that. Them. Well, I can't think of any more questions for you unless you think there's anything else that you want to tell us before we sign off. No, I'll just end with a cheeky plug. So if you've never heard of me, <laughs> you, you've never heard of me and want to start reading my books, the first one is Who Killed Miss Finch? They are a series. They could have pushed work as a standalone. So if you fancy a winter mystery, um, The Snow Day Murders is probably my book that fits this time of year the most. And look out for this in the next week or so being an offer for a few days on Amazon at 99p for the ebook version. Otherwise, it's been lovely to talk to you as ever, Donna. This was mainly, like I said, this is the first time I've done an interview where I've not got a new book out straight away. So this is more my, um, it's like when you watch all the chat shows and all the celebrities are on and it's like, what have you got to plug? <laughs> for the first time, I've not got anything immediately new to plug. This was my kind of remind people that I exist interview. And just it's nice this time of year as well to check in with everyone. And on that note, I hope kind of all members of Donna's group and all readers have a lovely Christmas. And I look forward to bringing out my new, my next novel, 10 Green Bottles in spring 22. Yep, and thank you too, and it's always a pleasure. Yeah, definitely. Always always nice to catch up with you, Donna, both in the interview and our little chat beforehand as well. So um, that's it from me. So uh, cheers. Thank you, Donna, and I will see you all very soon. <laughs>